Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. This is going to be part two of our live PRI show coverage. Before we get started, here's a word from our friends at Trico and Geico. Let me tell you guys about Trico. You know, over a century ago, Trico was the first to make wiper blades. They've been a step ahead of Mother Nature ever since. And Trico engineers, they study your specific driving conditions to make sure you're ready for anything, even if it rains actual cats and dogs. It's actually been raining in L.A. right now, so we're getting pretty close to that. Well, whatever the weather, Trico wipers maintains maximum windshield contact. And no matter what your driving habits, you'll always find the right wiper blade for your vehicle. It's Trico, the future of wiper blades since 1917. To find a store near you and see the latest offers, visit TricoCatsAndDogs.com. I also want to tell you guys about our friends at Geico. Whether you own a home or rent your home, it can be a lot of hard work, but you know it's easy. It's bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And we know that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. We've got one more great interview. We've been waiting for this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chris Kirstein, the president and CEO of SEMA. All right, all right. What oh, do you think? We, Look, we've we got a little we bit of a bird's eye. For this we're going to sit, but yeah, before okay. we do, we've got on this stage, we've got a bit of a yeah. bird's eye view of what's going on. It, the show looks packed. It's fantastic, right? isn't it? You've got to be yeah. happy with this. this we looks appreciate fantastic. everybody for making this happen. Uh, and it's great. So this is my, well, let's go ahead and have a seat. This is my first PRI show, oh, and, really? which is interesting, right? Wow. Like we've been I'm going to SEMA for, I don't know, 15, 18 years or yeah. something like that. And uh, oh, for us, what we were doing in, in L.A. is, you know, PRI being very close to SEMA uh, on the calendar, far from L.A. You know, for me. And uh, it's, it's, it's cold. It's a little cold. I'm actually not nearly as cold as I thought it was going to be, but for, in the past. Yeah, for we been, Californians, it's, it's a little cold. I agree. It started raining there as soon as we left, so uh, there was a bit of that. Yeah. Uh, but we've also got a lot of other events in the car world in L.A., and that's happening, right? L.A. Auto Show right. and, and a lot of press events as new cars come out. So it's always been kind of difficult to make it out here, but... I'm so glad we did. Glad I was trying to explain. I was like, what's the difference between PRI and SEMA? And I said, SEMA, you get to walk around and see these really cool uh, kits that have been developed, turbochargers and crate engines and stuff. And you come to PRI and you get to see all the parts that were used to make those kits. (laughs) (laughs) There's truth in what you're saying there. Yeah, SEMA is just a capture of all the cool ways that people love cars and trucks and PRI is a specialty uh, slice of that, just focused on racing, and it really works well for the racing industry. Have their separate and special sort of uh, gathering, and it could, in terms of timing with the season and so forth, it's good. And Steve Lewis did a great job of building this show up long ago, and yeah. it's great that SEMA's now been able to get involved with it and bring some of the things that associations do to uh, this population of both of businesses and racers and, and even enthusiasts. Now, the SEMA organization purchased the PRI organization. When was that? That was a, a, eight years ago, something like eight that. Eight years ago. Yeah. And now it's sort of uh, 
turning it into something much more than just right. the trade show and the magazine, right? Like, this is really starting to grow. Certainly things that Jamie Myers even done with the road tour this yeah. past year in lieu of, of a PRI show. It's like, how do you get out there? How do you yeah. get FaceTime with people and then bring some of that information, you know, yeah. out publicly? Yeah, the, the world is full of trade shows that are run independently by private business, and that works really well. Their world is also full of trade shows that are run by trade associations. And the benefit for the association situation is we're able to take all the resources that are collected here and plow those back into helping the industry. So SEMA exists for one purpose, and that's to help our member companies to succeed. And the same is true now for PRI. Most of the PRI companies were not members of SEMA before that acquisition. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think they weren't even aware of the benefits of what an association can mean for them. Right. So part of our long game plan after we were able to, to acquire PRI was begin delivering for this industry and for the racers some of those benefits. Things like good attention to laws and regulations that are having an impact on the industry. So we call that a government affairs advocacy, right? Right. And then market research and education and professional development programs and all sorts of different resources. And just uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, we were able to launch the PRI membership program. And yes. uh, we brought in Dr. Jamie Meyer to lead that. Uh, he's, he's done a great job with it, uh, getting it out of the, the box there. And um, now we're beginning to grow that. And we're also beginning to develop some of those programs and services that are really specific to this part of the industry. And of course, one of the big things that we have going on is support for this change in the, in the law to protect the industry where EPA has taken an interpretation of an existing law and read that to say it's illegal to take a, a street vehicle that's been certified emissions-wise and convert it into a race car, which is Right. This is, is the crazy. RPM Act that yes. we've, been, we've been talking yes, about, yes. right? We've hit so, it a, a few times, but explain that a little bit more. And yeah. basically what you're saying is, is, is th this law is going to... It wants to prevent, you're right, like you, somebody buying a, a street car, you know, new, used, or otherwise, and saying, I want to go racing with this right. car. I want to go drag racing. I want to go, you know, yeah, in the which, dirt. I want to go whatever. And then it's, it's no longer on the road. It is a yeah. racing car. We're not talking about hopping up our street cars, right? That's, That's right. not what it is. No, I mean, and interesting, the law that they're referring to has been on the books since the 1970s. Yeah. So I, I remind them sometimes over there at, at EPA and the California Air Resources Board that NASCAR has the term stock car in its name. <laughs> it's yeah, like, that's right. this isn't a surprise, is it, that we're converting streetcars to go racing? And so it's just a, a, a development that we really have to work hard now to get clarification of the law because they're starting to actually enforce the law on shops and others that are selling parts and products uh, for race use and uh, in taking that interpretation of the law, say that's illegal. Uh, we don't care what kind of vehicle it's for, that's illegal. And so that's what the RPM is, Act is about. We need everybody in the industry, we need all the enthusiasts out there to stand up and voice their concern about this 
join us in trying to get that law passed. We've got great support for it uh, in Congress on both the Republican and Democrat side. All people love racing, and uh, we just need to get loud enough to make that difference and get it passed into law. So, and and what's the What's the timing on that? We've been talking about the RPM Act for a while, and I know it's kind of an ongoing effort, but, uh, you know, like any good TV show or whatnot, we kind of want the resolution. Like, how do, how <laughs> yeah. do we get to that? Yeah. Like, when, what are, are there certain milestones or deadlines? Like, we need yeah. to do something by a certain time? So, you know, you're applying what you would call logical expectations <laughs> yeah. to a process that is, is just, you know, in Washington... Uh, Congress and, and the making of laws, it's the most, uh, I think, inefficient and, and distracted process you can imagine these days. And it's so hard to take something, even something that makes sense like this, and rise above the fray of all the things, the issues that have all the friction, all the noise, all the attention. That's what Congress is spending its time on, and, yeah. and it's too bad. And there's so much good that can be done with laws like this one, uh, where there's so much agreement among legislators. So what we need is it's sort of like constantly being at the gate for when that opportunity is right for the gate to open and get the thing yeah. actually considered. And we keep everyone informed, and that moment is going to come. And you never know exactly when it will come. We do have a sense in the legislative calendar that things generally don't happen in the very beginning of the, the calendar year. Okay. They kind of warm up through the, the, the season. And then by summer and fall, that's really your, your, your session. Uh, so this year, because uh, in 22 you have an election year, uh, that gets accelerated a little bit because they stopped doing business to go campaign, you know, right, come September right, yeah. or so. So we're going to be pushing. We have everything well lined up. We need, we need folks to join our ranks. And so one of the things we were talking about when we were talking about the association membership, not only do we need all these businesses and their employees to, to be involved, we have individual membership for PRI. So fans and, and right. anyone that you know who loves uh, racing – can sign up. And what that does is it plugs you into us to be informed. We, we give people updates about what's happening. And then when that moment comes, when we drop the flag and we say, this is it, this is when we need you to really pour it on and help us get this law over the finish line, that's what we need that membership for, that yeah. ability to connect with people. And, you know, I think over the last year, we've gotten more than a million and a half letters written to members of Congress through our efforts and through the efforts of, by the way, a lot of the enthusiast influencers out there who have an opportunity to educate and tell right. people about this. So we've got good support. We just have to keep at the ready, keep our powder dry, and when it's time, when we say go, we got to go like hell. I mean, you, you brought up a good point. It's an election year, so now there's a lot more focus on the optics of things. This is a great time for all of us to sort of band together and speak up loudly about yeah. the RPM Act again. Um, I do love that PRI is offering, offering individual memberships now as fans, as enthusiasts, yeah. to be able to do that. But I don't believe you need to be a member to to speak up about the RPM this Act. This is true. Right? So yeah. you, could, uh, you can go to SEMA.org, and uh, there's some links there where you can... Uh, 
find out about the RPM deck, but also you guys made it very easy. There's links there that bring you to a page where everything's basically sort of filled out, and it'll send stuff to. That's right. You, you can know, get your letter to the, to the politicians, and and it's so you don't have to sit down and write this thing. And, That's and right. There's it's it's already there. It's in place. You simply click. A, a you few don't have to know who your member of Congress it. is. It and, tells and, you, <laughs> and, and it'll send it out to you. It'll it'll send it out to them and take care of it for you. So it's. It's a fairly easy two-minute process. I encourage you all to do it. I've done it. Yeah. I'm not sure if I can do it multiple times, but I'm willing to <laughs> uh, attack that. But one of the questions I had was some of these companies that – some of these shops, they're small shops, been in business for a while. It's, it's always so, so much driven by passion. They've taken some cars. They've had some clients. They've turned them into race cars. Somebody's going out racing. Everything seems fine. The government's cracking down on them. Did we miss the phase where, like, the government was sending out letters and stuff and saying, hey, what's going on? Because it seems like it's very aggressive. Right. Like, the move just went from, we're not really doing anything. And, okay, so, okay. And then it went to, you know, SWAT's kicking it in your door. Like, by the way, if you... If you want some customer files and our accounting records, you don't need a, a weapon. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like a, an email no. would be fine. I'll, I'll send you whatever you want. <laughs> it's that's ridiculous. And and uh, so so to address the the question, how we got there, I, a few things happened, and they happened at the same time. Uh, a big part of this was when Volkswagen was was busted, basically for manipulating oh, yeah, the, yeah. the ECU. Uh, that brought to the attention of the regulators that there is a ready ready to way for folks to get in there and basically take the vehicle out of compliance and and I think they considered that as as something that probably was too complex and maybe those systems were were yeah. set up in a way that most people couldn't do that but when they looked into it they could see that was happening and then the second thing that was going on is you had social media where a lot of people were making, you know, uh, great, colorful, attractive, cool uh, content that broadcast their, their car and, and right, sure. not a car that wouldn't be compliant, right? And so that was easy for the regulators to see, right? And then uh, we had certain sectors even, like the diesel sector, uh, where there was a ton of that. And so I think that kind of stuff brought more attention, brought it to light, got the, the regulators more focused on it. And so that explains right. a bit why it accelerated up. Uh, we I, became more visible. I actually, you, you made a good point. I mean, certainly this, this diesel gate at the manufacturer level, yeah. when, when the dust settled and there were some very specific rules and specific fines and things, that set the precedence. And they said, now... You know, we need to go yeah, after. We, we go. start. We need to start going after all of this because the, the table's been set, right? So I don't know. It's kind of an the, interesting thing. The part that's lost in all of this is what are we really talking about right. in terms of contribution to an, an emissions problem out there? I mean, compared to a lot of the stuff that's going on, and you know, there's a <clears throat> there's a route for all of these companies uh, that's available to take their products, demonstrate 
that before and after they maintain emissions compliance for the vehicle. And you can get, by the way, a lot of horsepower in a, yeah. a compliant product. And, uh, and then get what's called a, a California EO, which is an approval, makes that part available to be sold in California, but it can also be sold nationwide. And that, that system needs to be improved. Basically, we should look at what are the levels of emissions actually involved, and we should look at different categories of parts and say the amount of work that needs to be done to demonstrate compliance for products that have a low impact on emissions should be minimal. For products that have a a bit more uh, impact on on emissions, you have some modest level of work that you have to go through in order to get that certification. And then for really something that you could demonstrate is pretty heavy duty in terms of its change. But but they aren't doing that right now. Right, okay. And and they could make it much better. One other thing I want to say is one area that SEMA's efforts, uh, PRI's efforts, have made some progress in the last year and a half, we've gotten EPA to a place now where they're willing to accept testing that a manufacturer has done, demonstrating compliance, that you don't need to go then stand in line at the California Air Resources Board and go through this certification process, which takes too long, it's too involved, it's too expensive. And for sales in other states than California, now you just have to have your testing. And something that SEMA does to help with that, we created an emissions test center at the SEMA headquarters. So we've got in a full-fledged uh, emissions lab. And our companies can come in. They don't have to get in line with all the other folks who are trying to get uh, lab time in, in labs in, in different places like Detroit and so forth. They can come as SEMA members. They're the priority we have a whole team of people who are there to help a member understand what do you need to do for this. I mean, they could come in knowing nothing about it. And part of the real value of that pro- pro- program is we have people there who are experts in it. They can tell you what you need to do. They can help you walk through it. They can walk you through taking your application over to the Air Resources Board and really even shepherd it with the Air Resources Board. So. When we say that the association, you know, collects people's resources here at these shows and plows it back into stuff that makes a difference the, for the industry, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Those kinds of, that's what that pays for. And it's great. And, and I would encourage more companies now, go get your testing done, at least for the purposes of, of the federal EPA. If you have your tests, you're in good shape. We're going to keep working on trying to change the threshold of how much work you have to go through particularly right. with California, to demonstrate compliance. Because it's just, it doesn't make any sense. There isn't that much well, contribution. I mean, what we were talking about with the RPM Act is the shops turning cars, <clears throat> street cars, into dedicated racing cars. But now, really, what we're getting into is us as enthusiasts, our street cars. Yeah. And how do we, you know... Everybody was kind of skirting the rules, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do a cat delete on my Fox Body Mustang in 1991, right? Because I yeah. like the way it sounds, right? Okay, whatever, right? But that wasn't going to last forever. So we need emissions legal parts. But the, pro- the problem with, part of the problem with that was, to your point, 
testing, I mean, I don't know, $50,000 and maybe 10 months of waiting. And believe me, most of these companies that are developing parts, they don't have the time or the money to do that. That's right. And how do we... How do we get to a point where this industry that we know and we love and we want to be able to modify our cars, uh, you know, and increase the performance of those cars, but do it in a way that is legal and safe and makes sense, right? And yes, thank goodness for SEMA and PRI, you're putting things in place to to make that easier. First of all, the idea of you can't make horsepower and be emissions legal is far out the door now. Like there's, I mean, it's I mean, amazing. look at 700 horsepower in the dealership, right? That's what I'm Ready saying. Like, go. yeah, uh, the cars are being delivered yeah. with that kind of horsepower and, and, and that kind of performance. Spectacular what our industry is doing, by the way, yeah. in terms of helping develop that kind of technology, that kind of improvement. And you're right. There's, there are ways to do that and not even be on the, the, the regulator's radar screen. Yeah. So if you're developing, I don't know, you're developing a, a supercharger kit or a turbo kit for a car out there, yes, you have to get an emissions tested. And it's really expensive to do, right? But those are more expensive products. performance Makes products, more right? There's a higher margin there. There's a little bit more that's going on. Yeah. But if you want to, I don't know, change things like fuel injectors or a throttle body or even swap in your Canon air filter, the amount of testing and stuff that would have to go into something like that, like, I, I, where does it stop? Yeah. You know, like you're saying, is there a different process or there should be a different process, right? Like, how do, we, how do we make it sort of fast and efficient and going, hey, this is what we're developing. This is what it's doing to the car there's yeah. very minimal effect or zero effect on emissions if we i don't know if we can somehow prove it for example with this air filter can that carry for all of the products in our in our lineup as long as we give you some sort of certificate or yeah. testing or something like where does it go well this is where the the change that EPA took makes a difference you were talking about speed to market and you are talking about the 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 money that's involved in, in the testing as well. By taking the steps of going through the gate at, at the California Air Resources Board out of the picture for yeah. federal enforcement, federal states, uh, that's a big deal. Now you go get your testing done. It's not nearly as long a process. I mean, the SEMA is in, <laughs> SEMA is in the midst right now of building a second emissions lab in Detroit so that we'll have even that much more capacity right. to help our members be able to get through that process really quickly. And in that case, you're good, man. And, and that's a big difference. So we have to keep chipping away and, and getting the regulators to be more reasonable. And like I said, I think looking at product categories and saying, you know, for these products, you don't even need to do this work. It's the the impact on emissions. And, you know, we can prove that. We can demonstrate that. Then different classes with different levels. Uh, And and really, our our hard hill to climb is California on that one. Uh, It will. And and people are going to start to follow California. They're going to say, hey, you know, we want to be cleaner as well. But um, honestly, why don't we just let California make the rules and they can fight everybody and pay the bill and then we'll just, everybody will sort of follow yeah. behind them. But, uh, yeah. you know, listen, 
the SEMA members, the, the parts manufacturers that are utilizing these services and getting things emissions tested, by the way, still making crazy power, making bigger, better products yeah, doing a good than job. they ever done before. But And you guys have been able to help and streamline that process. I think we sat down with Mike Spagnola on our show not too long ago, a few months ago, and he was right. saying... We, we've got this down to, I don't know where he was, like three months or something. He's like, Pretty darn quick. I, I, that's I, even getting an EO. That's right. I think he was saying that SEMA members were getting parts emissions compliant faster than some manufacturers were getting cars emissions compliant. Uh, for which, sure. Which is, which, uh, which is an incredible feat. Yeah. But what needs to be done to get to like multiple stages or multiple phases of emissions compliance, right? You know, like we're saying, like, does everything need an elaborate I test? Think we need, I, need, I think we as an industry need to do testing that demonstrates what we were talking about before. Let's look at what the real world difference is, what are the contributions, and then make some sense of what needs to get uh, certified and what doesn't. And with again, with a collected voice, when you go in and you, and you I mean, this is this is the government, man. You got to go in and demonstrate. We got a lot of people who are involved in this. There's a lot of tax dollars involved in this. A lot of jobs are involved in this. You have to make connections that make a difference to the people who ultimately are the making the laws and the regulations. Yeah, and that's what all these membership, the membership effort at PRI. Now we should mention, very importantly. SEMA now has an individual membership opportunity, okay. too. We just unveiled that, so we're just getting out, out of the gates. But uh, you go to the SEMA.org website, and you can, you can get on there and become a, a SEMA member. The importance of that individual membership is we need to now get the enthusiasts involved, too. And we have to demonstrate to people the number of folks who, are, who this matters to. Because ultimately, at the end of the day... The folks who are making these laws are getting elected, and they have to believe that's what you want. As a, as a constituent, that's, you want them to make a change here. And those guys help push pressure, put pressure on the regulators, and the regulators need to hear this too. You know, that's a, a creature of government as well, and they need to understand what the, what the people want, and they need to understand what the, the, the real facts are about what they're regulating. Right. And that's what an association can do. And so we need people to join that SEMA membership, help create that collected voice so that when we... And by, the, by it's not just legislators that you can send letters to. You can send letters to the EPA. You can send letters to the California yeah. Air Resources Board. And when we get those opportunities to try and push for change there, and a lot of times it comes up by way of proposed changes to the regulations, then we need people to go and go like hell. Hey, Geico, do you own? Do you rent? Well, you do one or the other, right? You know, it's hard work out there. Owning, renting, you want to save some money? How about your bundle? Bundle your policies at Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle the homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you got so much to do already. Go to Geico.com. Get a quote. See just how much you could save at Geico. That is Geico.com today. That's Geico.com.
rockauto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to rockauto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. Write CarCast in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, let me tell you about Trico. Over a century ago, Trico was the first to make wiper blades. And uh, they've been a step ahead of Mother Nature ever since. Trico engineers study your specific driving conditions to make sure you're ready for anything, even if it rains, actual cats and dogs. Although my dog, Phil, landed on your car. <laughs> I, even the Trico, the mighty Trico blades couldn't remove Phil. Whatever the weather, Trico wipers maintain maximum windshield contact. No matter what your driving habits, you'll always find the right wiper blade for your vehicle. Trico, well, that's the future of wipers, and they've been around since 1917. So if you want to find a store near you and get the latest offers, you go to TricoCatsAndDogs.com. That is Trico, T-R-I-C-O, CatsAndDogs.com. Well, i I kind of been waiting for a SEMA individual membership program, right? Because even on our show here that we do talking about SEMA and talking about the SEMA show and it's always been sort of people going oh that sounds so cool I'd love to go to that and be more involved and see what's going on and and I, we're talking a lot about emissions and the laws and the things that the in, that uh, the organization is is fighting for but let's not forget all the cool fun shit that we've got going <laughs> on right, right? I, that's and, the hard part about my job right <laughs> we get to spend the time on all the problems yeah <laughs> and I kind of like you know like listen that join SEMA, get the individual membership. Chris and his team is going to send you a bunch of stuff on how to, you know... Uh, uh, make a difference make, with the laws Make a difference with the laws. But there's also going to be some really fun, cool stuff as well. And I think yeah. that's going to be the exciting part of it. Uh, just to touch on that a little bit, the SEMA show this past year, for the first time, opened up to the public... I was there on Friday when it, when when yeah, they were we doing it. Yeah, we should be clear. It was it was we had an opportunity a, for some folks to come in on Friday. That's right. It was a limited amount of people. It was sort of a trial run yeah, of it was things. A good opportunity for us to and, see how, uh, how does this go. And I thought it was fun to see these people come into the door who have never been there before. You know what it is? It's like for those of us that have done it, you know, a decade or more. I still love it. I love going to the SEMA show. But seeing the new people come in and the young people come in and be enamored with the whole thing when you walk in for the first time and you're like, look at the Ford booth. I'm like, yeah, I've seen it 18 years in a row and I love the cars and I talk to the people and they're like, I've never seen it before in person. Like, it's, 
it was actually really fun to see and talk to some of the people. Yeah. And, and for the, you know, for the, this year was a little weird. Like, we just did a lot less of live event stuff. Like, maybe less. Yeah, coming less, out of uh, COVID, You know, like celebrity weird. signatures and, you know, things to avoid big lines. But on Friday, there was, there was, there was lines of people. The, yeah. the, the people that were coming in to see the show and see it for the first time. And, and I mean... In years in the past, people that don't have a ticket or can never get a ticket, just look at them standing on the street by Ford out front and just yeah. just can't even see just to hear, it's you know, like Von Gittman and it. stuff. Just to, to see <laughs> yeah. smoke clouds going up and, and monster trucks. All we got to do is get away with... Uh, get. Get rid of the giant air horns on the uh, on the trucks <laughs> at the end for the <laughs> for the SEMA uh, yes. ignited. They well, love see, those we, air we horns. Tell those guys that they shouldn't be hitting those horns, but I don't think they can hear. Anymore. I don't think they can hear anything <laughs> anyway. I was like, fewer air horns, please, yeah. on your way to to SEMA ignited. We would all appreciate that. Great. But. Uh, yeah, uh, it was, I thought it was a great show this year. Um, well, this this what you're talking yeah. about is a, a really important balance. Uh, you know, the shows, this show, uh, the SEMA show. They are a once-a-year opportunity for the manufacturers to get together with the people who take these products out to the marketplace, all the resellers, right? And so it's a -a one-of-a-kind opportunity to do that work, and so they really value that part of it. At the same time, they love to be in front of the enthusiasts that buy their products. At the end of the day, that's who's buying the stuff, right? Yeah. So you have to, to, to work that balance, and we've been able to keep a really good balance uh, at both of these shows, and um, you know we're going to keep. Uh, you got to you got to change. You got to pay attention to what's going on, and you got to evolve. And so that's what we're doing with the Friday. And I think you're going to see more building, more programming toward the end of the week, Friday, maybe even into Saturday, uh, that allows for more stuff for uh, all the gearheads out there who really want to. But the be exhibitors that go there, that's going to kind of change the lay of the land for them as well, you know, because I I think they're going to have to start to, you know, overcome, like, the struggle of trade show versus now a little bit of a public display, right? How you display products and who's going to be there yeah. talking about products and any materials that you're going to show. So there's going to be a little bit of... of of a learning curve on, on how yeah. that happens. And, but and some will want to do it and some won't. And really, yeah. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. everybody who's involved in this has uh, limited time and resources. And they make an evaluation whether it's worthwhile. And, and that's going to be the thing that if there's value there, they'll do it. If there isn't, they won't. And some see it differently, you know. Uh, yeah. So you get a mix. I, you know, and walking around and talking to people about that, you know, some are... It was a weird year, so some are saying, yeah, we weren't prepared for it, and some say we were prepared for it, but everybody seemed to say we do like the idea yeah. of, of opening it up to the public, and, and I don't know what the numbers were, how many limited passes were, and maybe that changes over time, and maybe it becomes... Yeah, we had up to 5,000 on, uh, on Friday this yeah. year, and we had pretty okay. good pretty good uptake of it. Yeah, uh, we almost cleared five thousand. I think I saw every one of them. <laughs> I was there on Friday, and I think that the purple lanyards, right? So right. I saw, I saw them all. Uh, I thought it was a good idea. I thought it was a, a fun yeah, show. That's cool. You got to uh, keep trying things, you know. Uh, right. But we'll be very thoughtful. We'll listen to our our exhibitor base. Listen to the buyer attendees who are there. You know, uh, everybody's got uh, good input for us about what works and what to 
be thoughtful about if, if you're going to be making changes. So that's, that's the way we'll, we'll guide it. I love it. Chris, thanks so much. We appreciate it. We're going to wrap it up here. Guys, please go to SEMA.org. There's going to be individual memberships. Are they available now? They're available now. They're available now. So definitely look into that. And because it's new, first of all, you want to get in on the ground floor and be like, I want to be one of the first individual memberships out there. And I know that membership is going to evolve. There's going to be more and more fun stuff, more cool stuff that's going to be available. Same for PRI. And PRI as well. The individual individual membership there too. Go for it. Listen, we we're walking help. around. This is a great show. The only street car, street legal car I've seen on the floor so far is the PRI road tour van sitting in front of us <laughs> that, that Jamie Meyer drove around this, this year. That's so right. That's uh, right. everything else is just fantastic racing cars from all walks of life of, of, of racing. So this is a great show. I'm so glad I made it out here. Yeah, Thank you so for much that. for having us out there. Again, the website is SEMA.org. Thanks, guys. And until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. There you go. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. RockAuto.com. Why spend 30 to 50%, even 100% more for the same parts that a chain store or dealership might have? Why spend so much there? Why not go to RockAuto.com? It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, everything from engine control modules to brakes to motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered direct to your door. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or your truck, write CarCast in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. An amazing selection Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com.